1: John Coomer, Chicago Cubs radio analyst. Unbelievable! 1999 American League All-Star. You might expect Wells to mix his pattern up. I mean, Coomer has owned David Wells. This might work out. The Coom Dog every week with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score.
2: Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Ron Coomer is one of God's great men, and we are delighted to welcome him to the Signature Bank Score Hotline, Signature Bank, making commercial banking personal. Good morning, Ron. How are you, sir?
3: Good morning, boys. How are you guys doing? Doing well. You cool. know,
2: we're, we're a little sad today, obviously, <laughs> yeah, because uh, we've lost Lynn Bramer, and I know uh, you were tight with him and uh, and share a lot of the great qualities that Lynn had, Right. Uh, we we think of Lynn, and we think of uh, of how people were drawn to him, and how kind he was to people, and uh, just a wonderful guy. Great Cubs fan.
3: Oh, jeez, that thing that first comes to mind is his cut. You know, we grew up listening to him, right? I mean, I was a rock and roll fan, so XRT in the mornings, and you know, all that. But once you get to know him, you know, the, the Cubs connection. Was pretty incredible. And to the point where um, when we won the World Series and we had the parade, um, he was on the bus, the, the bus with Pat Musin and the broadcast teams, him and Kathy. So we just had, you know, it was just one of those things. So I, you know, we have been friends a long time and um, very sad. Um, but, you know, he just, he brought some everywhere he went, the room got happier, right? I mean, that to me, <clears throat> excuse me, that to me is the one thing that um, was incredible. And when you were at a rock concert or a show of that kind with him, you knew when someone was in their element, that was his element. <laughs> I MC Theo's, Theo's charity concert at uh, Metro across the street from the ballpark right. one year, right before COVID. And, you know... I'm like, okay, you know, I, I I'll let him see it. Cause I love, you know, music and it's going to be fun. And then, but I was a little apprehensive and not quite knowing exactly what, you know, third base guys roles going to be in this thing, you know? And we walked on stage and I was like, man, I, I'm good. Just <laughs> let him talk and you just followed in and you just, you jokes here and there and we were just good to go. And he was just, Incredible. And you talked about a fun night. I couldn't have had a better time um, that night at the Metro with Lynn. So um, he'll be really missed.
4: And, Coombe, people don't realize, and maybe the Cub fans who listen to you regularly know this, but the, your rock and roll background and your radio and rock and roll background and how that maybe, uh, did it help you connect with Lynn a little bit? and you guys have some good conversations that went beyond? As much as he wanted to know – uh, about the cubs from you were you picking his brain about uh, and you had that in common with the rock and roll uh, affection
3: yeah i've heard a thousand baseball stories david as you know mikey i didn't care anything about baseball stories we heard them. i wanted to hear his interviews with mick jagger and the stones and and springsteen and you know and all these bands that had come through XRT. and and um, you know he just had me at the edge of my seat and i would always and he'd give me that look like you're asking me again, Coom, and I'm like, Yeah, I am. Sorry. This is the way it goes. <laughs> I'm that guy today. Yep. And he would, you know, he would tell stories about, you know, interviews and going on stage with bands and it was just, you know, it was just phenomenal. And um and then, you know, as a Chicagoan that I am, Pizza Fridays, I mean, seriously? Could it be any better, right? <laughs> Every Friday he had pizza during right. the show. I'm like, you know, I I've been known to have a pizza or two once in a while, so you know, we got a lot
2: of connections and uh, he will really, really be missed. I, I got to tell you, um, I got a, a bunch of calls from friends of mine that met Lynn through me. And and they were saying that there's like a whole generation of South Side guys that learned about a different form of music from Lynn that had favorite right. songs because Lynn exposed them to it. it. It's kind of extraordinary when you think about the reach that that he had in terms of like turning different people on to to music that was just became you know their escape the where you go when you're trying to you know contemplate yeah. life whatever
3: well my business partner jim andrello who's a business partner in Coop's corner he is the biggest lynn bramer fan he you know they would run into each other at a show or some kind of concert and he would always go up to lynn and they would talk music because Jimmy's a huge music guy and the same thing with my attorney. We, we all grew up together. The same thing, Mike in that South side of Chicago, listening to Lynn, listening to XRT. And, and Jeff was the same way, you know, and Jeff's musical interests, my one, my attorney buddy, who, you know, we were kids together um, was a little different than mine, but you know, Lynn kind of, he, he, he brought that gap a little closer and closer because just because of him and listening to him on the radio so you're i have that same same feel and same same thoughts about about him growing up and in my buddies you know and our musical tastes, and it came from him there's no
4: doubt opening day just won't be the same right i mean with everybody's best friend in no. the whole world that's going to be a little yeah. bit different coom and yet everyone lynn would be as optimistic as anybody going into opening day This year, Coombe, coming off the convention, you did a terrific job of handling one panel after another, mingling with the fans. Did you have anything, any vibe that was the biggest takeaway from the convention? Obviously, there's a lot of enthusiasm, but when you look at the Cubs, they backed up the big talk. They spent over $300 million this offseason in investments. They brought in more new players than any team. Where is your level of excitement as we're sitting here about three weeks away from uh, spring training? Uh,
3: very, very, um, excited, David. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The one thing I'll say one last thing about Lynn opening day, we would always do the show at Yachty's together and I would go there for a quick segment, um, on opening day. So that's going to be a, a different one this year to go there and, and not have him there. But with that being said, um, the thing that stood out to me is we're, we're sitting, Pat and I were sitting on the stage, um, after the hall of famer got in, um, brought up on stage and I followed in the wake. you know, um, we're very, we're very much a big league team with big league people. Right. And I don't mean to say anything negative about the team last year, but they were very young, very inexperienced for the most part. um, Where this year, when you start looking at the roster of Cubs, you know, David talked about the gold gloves and the hardware that's going to be around the infield and in the middle of the outfield. There's a lot of big league players there that, you know, we'll see how that all meshes together, right? Um, That's all got to mesh together on the field, but you've got a good mix now of some young guys that are trying to make their way in the league and some really quality veteran big league players and people that can help with that process for some of these young kids. Um, I, I think it's a very good mix. I've heard nothing but great things about, the people that we have brought in, and I'm not talking about their abilities on the field, talking about how they're going to mix in and and be good teammates and really be able to to help with the step forward.
2: So I I guess it was Bob Nightingale came out with a story that uh, that the Sox don't have a second baseman and that the Cubs have a guy that doesn't seem to fit what they're doing and Nick Madrigal and maybe there could be a trade made you know that that would help both sides of town. I know you talked before about Madrigal maybe being a nine hole DH, and I know I've read, and I know that was well before they signed some of these guys, and I know I read that he's been working at third base a little bit. Um, I'm just curious with Hosmer and Trey Mancini kind of splitting time at first, the DH thing is probably done. Um, do, Do you see him getting time at third base? What would that look like?
3: It's, it, to me, that's a, that would be a very much a work in progress, right? That is a put him out there if that's the case and see if he can handle that position. It's a very different position um, than second base. The way the ball comes off the bat, um, the depth in, in going and attacking the ball as opposed to laying back um, on the baseball, um, there's a lot to playing third base. And then the other part that probably stands out the most, because he, he can do, he figure that part out eventually, but the, the throw, right? Throwing the baseball from third base um, after you've been a second baseman a long time, and you know Nick's not the biggest guy and doesn't have the best arm in the world. He's, you know, maybe uh, just a touch below average thrower in Major League Baseball, so that would be an issue. Um, I will say this though about him. I, I got a chance to talk to him during a convention and uh, he's very excited because he's healthy, you know? So, you know, with that being said, his biggest attribute in a big league team is, is, is when he puts the bat in his hand, right, Mike? And you saw that yeah. on the South side, right. when He was playing with the white Sox, you know, hit 300. And if his legs are healthy, he can be a real productive hitter. When his legs aren't healthy, he doesn't have a good foundation underneath him, and he gets a lot of the rollover ground balls and, and a lot of the you know, weaker ground balls and, and pop-ups. I've seen them both ways. And as a big league hitter, you realize if you're not a big, strong guy, if you don't have your legs underneath him, you, you you're not going to be a productive hitter. And I think he's at least now healthy, um, so that would be a real positive for his game that he's going to be able to hit
4: your point about the character guys the Cubs have brought in is a good one because you look at from Tyone to Barnhart to Dansby Swanson and Eric Hosmer, absolutely those are guys with good pedigrees. And then you add Trey Mancini to the mix. He wasn't at the convention, but they announced it on that Saturday. How do you see him fitting in in what role because he's got a variety of positions that he could play?
3: Well, it, it, it's very beneficial for the Cubs. And the other thing, too, you've got to remember with um, – the two left-handed first basemen, and then Mancini being right-handed, however that platoon thing could work out is going to be positive for the Cubs. The other thing too, that I look at it. And when you get, start getting into the matchup thing, um, where does the center fielder match up? If you're facing a good lefty, right? To me, that's not a good matchup at all. He's had his struggles already um, as a hitter the last few years. So you get a good lefty on the mound. Uh, Mancini, you know, maybe you move for a day and a half to center, Suzuki to center, something like that, and Mancini goes in to the corner outfield spot somewhere um, in that in that role. So, I, I think it really helps David um, when the matchup with a, a good, solid left-handed pitcher is out on the mound. It gives him options and good options where guys have had success doing it.
2: Yeah, you know, I. I... I think what's interesting to me is you look at the Cubs and you look at all the 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 outfielders that are coming up, right? Their top three prospects are outfielders, and you and you start thinking about, you know, how is this going to work long term? And I keep wondering if Ian Happ is going to get a contract extension, and and maybe not be just because there are other options. Now, you know, Matt Mervis might have been an option at first base. But now it seems like it would make more sense to leave him in the minor league if you got two guys covering that position. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just going to be interesting to see how quickly these guys come up.
3: Here's, here's what I say about that, Mike.
2: And, and I I believe that
3: those things in baseball work themselves out, right? If, if let's say, Mervis comes in and he's just tearing the cover off the ball and he gets right into where he left off last year and he's just raking and well, guess what? He's going to play, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, if a kid comes in and he, nobody had any plans on Christopher Morrell being a guy that was going to play regularly for the Cubs in the second half, but he came in and he swung the bat. And next thing you know, you're out there and you're going to get a chance. So those things, I believe, and I was listening to you guys about the White Sox mm. uh, before I came on, I believe that those things, end up working themselves out one way or another some for the good some not for the good right some guys that yep. you, you know the our game is a tough game man and it's 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 can be tough on you and you got to hit at 705 you can't hit at 530 530 is great for the fans but it's not much for the win loss column you got to hit at 705 that's the bottom line
4: <laughs> so Coombe. <laughs> We talked to Pete Crow Armstrong on Saturday inside the clubhouse, and so here is this 20-year-old prospect for the Cubs, full of confidence, great personality and charisma, and he uh, revealed, even though he admitted he probably shouldn't have said this, he's going to be invited to the uh, spring training. He's going to be one of the 40 on the 40-man roster. He's invited to spring training, the major league camp, and he doesn't have any expectation of making the team, but he'll be there. What value is that when a guy like that is invited to the big league camp? How does that go over, and, and what can he gain from it?
3: I think it's a great idea, first of all. I think what you want to have guys, you want guys to see, feel, taste, look around, and experience what the big leagues are like. In particular, when you've got a kid that's the prospect level of him. I've watched him play, uh, especially in the outfield. And he can flat out go get him in the outfield. And that is a skill right now that is really needed for the Chicago Cubs. Um, and they tried to fix that also with a veteran, right? I, obviously. So um, I'm a big fan of bringing up your top prospects in spring training and giving them a chance and playing them a lot early in camp. When the games start, get them out there playing the games and get them in front of the crowds and get them – get them acclimated to what big league life is, is, ex, is like, and then what is expected of them? Because when you get to the big leagues, the work and the things that go into playing the game are different than any every other level, because everybody in the big leagues that's there and has been there a long time are really good. You can't just roll your glove out there and think eh, I'm, I'm just better than everybody. There's very few players like that. So I, I think it's very good for a guy like like Armstrong to get to the big leagues, get to camp, be around some people and and just watch what happens and see how see what the big leagues looks like.
2: You're uh you're a Patrick Wisdom guy, right? Coombe? I mean he's he's a guy that you like. Um I, you know, I look at the Cubs and everyone's talking about how great their defense is going to be, but where's the power coming from? That seems to be one of the questions. There are, you know, different guy it's different now. They got uh Maybe Mancini can be a guy who provides power for him. Uh, where is the power coming from?
3: It's a good question. To me, you know, wisdom is definitely, you know, he's, he's been the power guy for the last few years. Uh, Patrick is an excellent third baseman. The obvious issue that he has, and he knows it, is the contact, right? He's got to make more contact to stay in the lineup. But he's he's a power source, I I don't look at the Cubs as being the big bopper team. They're just not going to be. That's just the way it is. So you're going to have to do other things to manufacture runs, right? And it's it's not going to look like, you know, the three-run homer twice in a game and we win six to three. That's just not going to be the case night after night. That's just not. So. Um, playing good defense, and doing some of these things. Now, the one thing that Wrigley Field does bring in, especially once the summer rolls around, is it's a very good hitter's park, and it takes um, some guys that are maybe just very average power guys, and it does boost your power numbers some, so that does help. But, you know, the other thing you got to remember about Wrigley Field is it's probably the worst place to hit for power for the first couple months of the season. So, you know, that'll play into the Cubs' hand because the the smaller ball of running and, you know, spraying the ball around the field will come into play, and that'll benefit them with the team that they have.
4: Coom, thanks so much for your time and your memories, of Lynn especially. Great stuff today. Yeah,
3: yeah boys, really great job it. today covering. And same thing with the guys and girls on XRT. I was oh, listening yeah. last night a little bit, and, um,
4: yeah, thanks a lot.
2: Thank you, buddy. That is Ron Coomer, Cubs radio analyst. Always a joy to talk to Ron. A great man.
4: Another guy that makes you smile when you yeah, hear him talk. no
2: question about it. All right, 312-644-6767. That's the telephone number. We're going to go to your phone calls. We could talk about the Cubs or the Sox or, uh, I don't know, we could talk about Lynn if you wanted to. It's Mully and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 of the score. <sighs> and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 6 7 of the score. That's one of Lynn's favorite songs. Yeah.
5: Great Jimmy memories shelter, today.
4: 312
2: 644 67 67. We're talking baseball. We're talking whatever
4: you want to talk about. Well, let's talk, talk playoffs about. for a second. I got a couple things to, get a, to address. Playoffs? No, not baseball playoffs. This is Chicago. There are no baseball uh, playoffs. Okay. I'm yeah. sorry. It's no football playoffs either. Listen, for the Bears. But yesterday, the
2: Bulls might get in.
4: Last night, the Bulls might get in. You got some work to right do. Right here on the score tonight, Bulls and Hawks back in Paris. Yeah. We 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 we. So, we have a little bit of a disagreement here. It's okay, okay because I All think right. di- different opinions are good. And when we look at the 49ers and the Cowboy game, when we look at the 49ers specifically, yeah. I believe Brock Purdy's the best story left in the tournament. And yeah, that's I, the I, best story and i know i think he's miles away from the best quarterback though no doubt about that I, I, I mean i, I know you him. love the story but but but, but. I, but I think beyond the story here's here's what i was about to say okay I'm the story is the best one left hmm. to me and i also think that quarterback wise he's nobody's going to convince me that you know he is the fourth of four obviously no doubt about it but he's good enough to take this team to the Super Bowl because I think that when you look at yesterday, Mully, he wasn't great, but he did protect the football. It's a lower bar than the rest of the quarterbacks, and he was going against the fiercest pass rush that he's going to face in this postseason. And he he made the throws on the quick slants that he needed to make. I wouldn't ask him to do too much, and Kyle Shanahan, to his credit, hasn't. So I think that within those confines, he's going to be okay. I
2: I, I totally disagree with you because I don't think it has anything to do with him. I think the team around him is like one of the best collections of talent in the NFL. And the team around him beat the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know that he contributed very much at all, quite frankly. I'm not dissing the kid, but great story or not, you're talking about a rookie quarterback who was the last pick in the draft. He's shown great composure. I totally I totally agree with that idea. But I you know, let's say they go into Philadelphia and go down a touchdown or go down ten points. What's he gonna do to bring you back? He you know, they they that defense was good enough to beat the Dallas Cowboys, and it was good enough to have Dak Prescott turn into Dak Prescott. And Dak Prescott, if anybody's paying attention, played in 14 games this year, and in six of them, he threw multiple, multiple interceptions, including yesterday. So that is more about about playing him and enforcing him into old habits, et cetera, than it is about, anything Brock Purdy has done. Uh, no, no, no rookie has ever made the Super Bowl, let alone won a Super Bowl. They haven't even made it. I, I and, know that. And, I mean, these are really good quarterbacks that have done it. It's stacked against and, them. And history is stacked against him because it, he, frankly, he's the worst quarterback left, and he has been the worst quarterback left for a while. He's got a great team around him. He's got great
4: offensive weapons, and the coach is real good. And they're taking advantage of all that. But But I think the fact that the the minimum bar – He's a passenger, David. He's a passenger. He's a passenger, but the minimum bar of clearing the the poise question isn't as easy to answer as as you're making it sound to me because I think that's a huge thing. That's the reason why no quarterback has taken a team to the Super Bowl because it's not easy to manage that anxiety, to overcome that inexperience, and to do all the things that Brock Purdy has done to this point. Now, he is surrounded by the best possible – situation and teammates and infrastructure and all of that and he may he may crumble in Philadelphia on the road against that defense that's all very possible but I'm just saying that when you look at why the 49ers are where they are you can't overlook the fact that they have gotten very good steering from a passenger I mean if that makes any sense because he has kept things pretty steady he hasn't tried to do too much and that's very hard to do a young player trying to prove himself.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I got to tell you, um, I, I, I'm i not dissing him. And I, I think you keep putting me in a position <laughs> where I have to kind of reel us in because <laughs> he is, he might be the best story. I'm just trying but, to back you to that quarter the, there. Yeah, that's exactly. All. <laughs> but the story, you know, I think the Eagles have a really dominant pass rush. I could argue with you that the Eagles are more balanced and have a better – entire defensive package Interior. than the the Dallas Cowboys, right? Fair enough. But And boy. that's not that's not I mean, Micah Parson's is a great player and he's probably the best among all of them. But you know, Philadelphia, go look at some of those numbers. That is unbelievable. They're the most that's complete
4: a, team left. Yes. I think because and, of the and, quarterback.
2: Well, that's it.
4: And that gives them an edge over the 49ers, even though yeah. I'm going to pick the 49ers in an upset, I think. I'm leaning that yeah, way. Yeah, I know you are. I, I'm just leaning that way. I'm just yeah. telling you now. It's Monday. Well, I
2: picked, that, I picked the, the Eagles to go to the Super I know you Bowl did, back in before August. the year started. I so picked the
4: 49ers I, to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, well. and So and get I, that corner. I'm going to back you in the again. And I picked
2: the Chiefs, <laughs> and I'm probably going to be proved wrong in that game because uh, the quarterback's injured. Well, and well, let's uh, talk about that for a second because yeah. let's, let's
4: go to that game. M- much more comfortable ground for us both to cover here. Um, yeah, I just think you're <laughs> out of your mind. If <laughs> I'm, you not think of mind.
2: Well, I'm not I, out of my no, mind. I'm not out of my mind. No, I mean, I just think you're getting caught up in this, this Iowa State Mr. Irrelevant thing. And it's just for weird. the record,
4: yeah audience, okay, for the record, okay. Dustin and Brandon. You're the one who brought up the history between Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy in Oklahoma playing Iowa State, right? I I think it's pretty interesting that they've met before in college. It's a great story. But that doesn't mean that
2: Brock Purdy can be the first quarterback. (laughs) I mean, think of some of these rookie quarterbacks. The difference being, like, you know, I I remember going to uh, Pittsburgh to see Ben Roethlisberger play in the AFC Championship game, and they lost that game. Because he had to do too much, Brock Purdy basically does nothing. He has these long handoffs to guys. He throws a couple of uh, of passes, you know, kind of. Uh, but he's throwing behind guys. He's far from perfect. If I, I know, if if I, if George Kittle doesn't make a spectacular one handed catch to lead the touchdown drive that won the game. They don't win that game. That game's tied, and they're going into overtime. I agree
4: with that. Listen, good segue, because I want to ask you about this. George Kittle, unstoppable, and without two catches, actually, that he made, the 49ers might not win that game. You look at the Chiefs. They, Patrick Mahomes goes down. Chad Henney comes in. Doesn't stop Jason Kelsey's production.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And when you look at the takeaways that we're striving and, and straining to find here in Chicago – that tight end involvement in the offense, is that because of the player? Is that because of the scheme? I know these two guys are the two best at their position in the NFL. So holding Cole Komet to that standard is, is, is kind no, of he, he... silly to do, but can they find a way to make him a bigger part of the offense so that he helps Justin Fields take that next step? Yes. I think
2: if you were to sign like Hawkinson, then all of a sudden Cole Komet would have a lot more opportunity because that guy was the only guy – um, on that Minnesota team that could catch the ball now unfortunately, when you throw in four yards before the chains, he's not able to make a an incredible play, but you know that you shut down their best weapon, their wide receiver. This is what i don't understand How do you go into a game against the chiefs and not focus? On shutting down Travis Kelsey. That's a crazy thing. That would have been my whole game plan. I I
4: know. And I said Jason Kelsey. Get my Kelsey's mixed up because he's the center for the Eagles. Eagles, And Travis is obviously the tight end for the Chiefs. Boy, what a Super Bowl that would be for the Kelsey family. But I don't know how you ignore that. And maybe there's so many other things to worry about with the Chiefs offense. Maybe there's so many other uh, factors that you have to account for. I'm not quite sure, but how do you catch 14 passes? And what? not go, not have a defense designed more. You forget about the quarterback spy, the guy that they assign yes. to the quarterback. What about putting two guys on the tight end?
2: Well, I agree. I mean, that's insane. It, you know, if I'm if I'm Cincy, I am gonna stop Travis Kelsey. I'm gonna start with that idea. Now, a lot of, it's hard to do, and he still gets his. But with the quarterback injured, and let's see if he can move at all. It's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting to see what they can get done. I don't think they're going to be the explosive high scoring group that they've been because part of that is that the quarterback can move around and throw from weird, unbelievable angles. And I think now he's going to have to, you know, get rid of the ball quicker because he's going to be kind of under siege a little bit. He's got great arm talent. I'm not saying he doesn't, but what makes him so good is that he can let plays develop and then throw at a weird arm a, uh, angle, and still get a completion. Now it's going to be harder for him to do that. He's going to have to be more of a pocket passer, and we'll see. I mean, it's a really bad injury, a high ankle sprain for you know an MVP player.
4: And if I am playing against him, if I'm the Bengals now, I am going to do everything within my power to open those running lanes and see if he wants to take them. I would not worry so much. You can play more man coverage than maybe you ordinarily would because you don't worry about him beating you with his feet as much as you would ordinarily. Make him into a pocket passer and and defend the game like uh, Chad Henney is back there, the immobile one, the 37-year-old backup, because Patrick Mahomes on one leg is still a dangerous pocket passer. He can still have the arm talent, but he's not going to beat you with his feet.
2: He's just hopping. That was unbelievable watching him hop around. That was crazy.
4: It was crazy. Um, Dangerous too.
2: Yeah, it felt that way. You know what, what is really interesting to me, and you know, I know we have a lot of people who want to check in, we're gonna to get to the calls. What what is really interesting to me is when I look at Jalen Hurts and I look at that Eagles team, they barely broke a sweat. I mean, they barely they were not challenged in any way. They just dominated. And I, I think that the Eagles hosting is a big deal. Being at home, having that ridiculous crowd, those people from, you know, uh, Silver Linings Playbook, getting arrested <laughs> at the stadium on the day of the game, it's really – it's just that, – that's a v- rabid fan base. And now you got San Francisco crossing the country. These are both really physical, tough teams. And I'll be really curious to see that matchup and s- see how closely they are matched up. And, uh, yeah, again – if, if they fall behind, can the quarterback lead them back? He's poised, but can he make a play that he has to make in a big moment?
4: If I were nitpicking in a, in a 49er fan, I would yeah. wonder why the 49ers are playing the first game on Sunday. I, after I agree with you. Crossing the country, you yes. can still change the time of the game and give them a break because also, according to their body clocks, it's going to be even earlier. So just – I know that's a little oh, thing. Dustin upset that you brought that no, up. No, no, I
5: was just gonna help what I the way I understand it, the reasoning is is that Fox has the Super Bowl. Oh right. So they get the earlier slot, which is not the prime time spot. So that's the reasoning behind it. I don't disagree with what you're saying. What you're saying makes sense, but that's they're crossing
2: the, the continent and they're and you're right, their body clock's gonna be off and, and it's gonna be really interesting to see. The only if reason is is because of the, the
5: NFC and Fox and Super Bowl and yeah.
2: All right. 312-644-6767. We're getting right to your calls when we come back. It's Mully and Haw on the Score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, six seven to the score. And um, I I just want to clarify one thing. We're getting to the phone lines in a second. I just want to clarify one thing. This is a great story. If the San Francisco 49ers get to and win the Super Bowl, it will be one of the most extraordinary sports stories that we've seen in a long time because they lost their starting quarterback. They lost their backup quarterback. This guy is their third quarterback, a guy they drafted in the in the last pick of the draft. And you know, there's an old, the old uh, Green Bay Packers used to always draft a quarterback. Oh, you should draft a quarterback every year. These guys did it. Yep. And it ends off paying off unbelievably. Now, you know, they already had started the winning streak. They were struggling. Remember, they lost the Bears early. The, the whatever it is now, 11 game winning streak started before. A quarterback injury with Jimmy G who was playing at a high level, but I mean, this is unbelievable. It really that is. They, they could keep it going. This and lane.
4: nobody is suggesting that he's not fortunate to be in this spot. He has taken advantage of it. Good for him. He's protected the football. Here's the other big question. If they somehow can find a way to beat the Eagles and maybe even if, yep. if in the midst of that game, if Jimmy Garoppolo does make a recovery this week, where it gets him on the practice field and he's ready, what happens if you fall behind ten to three and it's four minutes to go in the second quarter do you go to Jimmy Garoppolo after Brock Purdy has won all these games for you
2: yeah that's a really good question I think it comes down to you know the 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 way the coach feels about the players you know uh, Dustin always gives me a hard time because I was always a, a Kyle Shanahan fan well guess what Dustin if that guy wins a Super Bowl with like his uh his answer to to uh, uh, the White Sox closer situation back in 2005 that would be if, if Bobby Jenks, uh Brock Purdy ends up winning the Super Bowl I think you're going to have to acknowledge that Kyle Shanahan is <laughs> I want you to say it out loud he is a stud
5: it's too bad that Kyle doesn't have like a jersey we could get you or something you, maybe we'd have to get you because we know David will already have one we'll have to get you a Brock Purdy either jersey or t-shirt oh,
4: I'll, I'll wear the Brock Purdy jersey if they win the Super Bowl no doubt about it I'll buy it and wear it and we will get Mully a flat build cap to wear Kyle Shanahan style,
5: little 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 two days two days scruffle, uh, uh, not shaving, and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's
4: good. You know, I I love a
2: Chicago guy made good, even if he's a generation removed from Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's get to the phone lines three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven Johnson Joliet. Hey John. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, first of all, let me start off watching Robbie go still breaks
3: my heart because this guy's still banging field goals from 50 plus and man I just that guy is Mr. Automatic now on the other hand I'm sitting next to some Cowboy fans yesterday and their field goal kicker comes up and they're screaming yelling go for it on first down or fourth down because they don't want their field goal kicker to touch the field just amazing football this weekend the Giants they kind of reminded me of my Bears very bad but exciting football and uh just looking forward to this weekend and yeah, ended with this childhood hero salvando passed away friday oakland a's and uh right. man that guy was a hell of a
2: ball player and what a great team that was thanks john thanks, appreciate john. the phone
4: call i think robbie gold now is 23 of 23 in the playoffs since leaving the bears
2: yeah i think he's 29 of 29 altogether right unbelievable um let me ask you this would he have double doinked
4: <laughs> no that was their last opportunity oh my to, gosh uh, to win did it seem like he was amused at the they were trying to taunt him they were talking to him Robbie Gold every time they showed him on camera yesterday seemed to have this little smirk or smile on his face how,
2: how is Robbie 40 I believe he's 40
4: he's pushing 40 he That's might be unbelievable it is, is he, something else I thought
2: he was 40 he could play I, it forever just yeah he's unbelievable let's try Mike Mike's in Oak Park hey Mike yep
4: Hey Mike, can't hear you. Yeah, that's okay. Robbie did turn forty, Mully, December sixth. Did you send Thank him a present?
2: You. Thank you. Uh, I love this one, Molly. Everyone knows you hate Purdy, Iowa State, the Niners, and football. <laughs> 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 wow. I, I mean, I, that's a long list. That's the uh, you know. I didn't even know I hated that I... much. Pete's on the road. Hi, Pete. <laughs> hey. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Good. So, go, going through
3: all my um, scenarios of the Bears draft and stuff, I came across something yesterday that I thought that um, might be interesting. Would the Texans ever be stupid enough to uh, trade give up. us their um, first and their 12th round pick
4: um, if we trade up? The 12th, 12th overall.
2: overall? pick.
4: I, I don't know if that would be Two in play as much as maybe a future first, but who knows what kind of bartering goes on and – I suppose that would be a possibility. They have you know, draft capital. Wouldn't that,
2: to- be, wouldn't that be awesome? Didn't, wouldn't Lovey have done like the greatest thing ever for the Chicago Bears if they traded up and gave you the second pick and the 12th pick so oh my they could gosh. go after a quarterback?
4: Lovey's still contributing to yeah. the Bears' cause. I, I don't think that's realistic, though. Do you?
2: Well, if they did it, I would, I would probably trade down again both at second and at 12th.
4: I, I would trade the second I would trade down again if I got if I knew I had the twelfth. Yeah. I would be more secure in doing that and feeling like I would get a player yeah. that you could definitely plug and play right away.
2: Yeah. for that second pick, you you start getting draft picks next year. Yep. Is that what you're doing? Yep. Yeah. yeah, give me the hot sauce. Keep trading down. Do that all day. That's all awesome. It's a great idea. Yeah. Um and now we have a texter saying, Mully's bum threw for more yards yesterday than Justin Fields did in all but one game. <laughs> why, why Why is he my bum? He's, I like the story. I just don't he's, believe he's a, he's a Super Bowl he's winning quarterback. He's your bum. is my hero.
4: Yeah, you know, for and, now. All right. Hey, but, how about Saquon? Just say
2: it that way. David's hero. Okay, that's it. For, I, I mean, think it's better. That makes me feel better.
4: Saquon Barkley after the game on Saturday said that uh, obviously he's going to be a free agent. We don't know what his future holds. Yeah. We both had the same reaction after the her- their first playoff victory. Sign him Yeah, because we overreacted. And I think yeah. that he said something that Bears fans might want to latch on to. Quote, I'm not really too concerned about resetting any markets or anything like that.
2: There you mm. go. All
4: right, we got Ross Tucker. We're going to talk to Ross
2: next. It's Molly and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 the score.